man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And then the second verse comes from Romans 12, and that can be found on page 1763 of your Pew Bible. Verses 4 through 5. has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we are many from one body, and each member belongs to all others. We will have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Thank you, Brenda, and um, thank you, Amy, for the children's message. We're going to have a children's message each Sunday with a 40 days campaign. Uh, I think Amy just set the bar, um, but uh, we, we're going to have a variety of people doing that, and we want to include our kids in the theme of the campaign. And just a reminder, especially for our guests, there's an outline in the bulletin of the message that's helpful for you to follow. Um, and before we begin, I'd like to, like to pray. Let's pray. Well, Father, we all come with a lot of different things on our minds and our hearts. We ask that you'd help us to focus and to hear what you have to say to us today. So help us clear the clutter. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a French philosopher named René Descartes who made a statement and based his entire philosophy of life on it. And I think all of you have heard it sometime uh, along the way, and that is, I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. I'm simplifying, but this statement has powerfully influenced how we in Western civilization think about ourselves and think about existence. We believe that because we're individuals that can think, that can reason, that can be self-aware and reflect and even doubt, well, that we exist, that we're real. Descartes actually developed a defense of the existence of God from this statement. But if you asked someone from a tribe in Africa or the Middle East how they know they exist and that they're real, they would say, I belong, therefore I am. 
I belong, therefore I am. You see, what's important to people in Africa and people in the Middle East and in Asia is belonging, belonging to their tribe, belonging to a people. I exist because I belong to this group. One view is very individualistic. The other is very community and group-minded. There's truth to both ideas. But in America, we really swing towards individualism, independence. We strive for individuality and self-sufficiency. We want to be independent financially and relationally. We stress personal rights. Now, our scripture from Romans 12.5 challenges this for us as believers. When it says, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. According to the Bible, we all belong to each other, and we all need each other. God did not create us to be self-sufficient. It is not good for man to be alone, he said after he created. He wants us to be interdependent. To be all that God wants us to be, we have to have other people in our lives. His purposes for human beings are meant to be fulfilled in community. God created us to love. And the only way that we can learn how to love is with other people. The greatest lessons in life are learning how to love. Now in this 40 days of community campaign, we are going to talk about how do we develop meaningful and healthy relationships. Last week I gave an overview of the entire campaign, and today we're going to begin with biblical reasons for how God says you and I need each other. We need people in our lives. And to begin with, we walk life's journey together. We walk together. In many places in the Bible, you have the use of the metaphor, walking. Walking a journey, it just, which describes the spiritual life. In Colossians 2, 6 through 7, it says, Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. We're all on a spiritual journey. We're told to walk in wisdom, to walk in love, to walk in the light, to walk in obedience, to walk in the Spirit, to walk as Jesus walked. But one of the key words and ways God tells us to walk is with others. We're not meant to walk through life alone. And friends, this has nothing to do, we're not talking here about whether you're single or married. We're not talking about that. Jesus was single. The Apostle Paul was single. Many of the apostles, some were married, others were not. This is talking about the church. It's talking about the community of faith. It is with other believers in meaningful fellowship that we find support and encouragement to walk this journey. As I was writing this, I started thinking back of 
those days long ago when I could run and ran cross-country and track in high school and college, and I was always taught, stay with somebody, especially long-distance runners. Stay with someone in the race because there's just built-in encouragement, built-in competition to push yourself and each other through the course. Then I remember this picture. Put, keep the picture up there for a while. <laughs> this is when I was in high school, and the three of us were running, I think it was a two-mile, and we agreed if we were close enough with each other at the end, we would hold hands and cross the line together. We were the first to believe you could do it better together. So the, I'm on the left, and the guy in the middle is Larry Caldwell, Larry uh, went on to be an All-American in the 1600 meters, and he became a missionary, and today he's the academic dean at Sioux Falls Seminary. Brad Bowers on the right, and he, he's a church leader in his church in Florida. And we just thought it was cool to do this, so I thought this would be a great illustration. But if my coach was here, no, he would not agree. As a matter of fact, the only time I saw him angry, and unfortunately it was towards me and the two others, was when we did this. <laughs> and he made an example of us before the whole team, you don't do this. But in church and in spiritual life we do. Would you agree that when we're alone, the temptation is to give up, to sag back? But when other people are walking with you, you're encouraged to keep going. It's smarter to go through life with other people. Proverbs 28, 26 says, Only fools trust in what they alone think. We can gain wisdom from each other and input. Proverbs eleven fourteen: For lack of guidance, a nation falls. But victory is won through many advisors. But as I stated at the beginning, one of the things that's very important that we learn is how to work with one another, how to get along with other people. If you go through life isolated, if you never let anyone get close to you, you never learn how to cooperate with others. And this is one of the great lessons of life, learning how to walk together. Literally, think of it walking with someone literally. This illustrates that when you walk physically with someone, each of you, or if there's a group of you, have a different style. You have a different pace, a different stride. Your legs are different lengths. You, you, you have to, if you're going to walk together, have to find a rhythm with each other. And that's an illustration of, of living life in relationship. We, to walk life's journey, we need to be part of a larger community like this and then a smaller group within it. Each group, the large and the small, have a function in helping us walk the journey together. This is the first way we need each other. We also need others to work life's tasks together. And the primary task that Scripture teaches us that Christians are to do are good works. Ephesians 2.10, God made us to do good works. 
God made us to do good works which He planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. That means before any of us were born, God decided what gifts and talents you would have. Part of God's purpose for our lives is doing good and godly works. To influence people in godly ways. But as the theme of the campaign stresses, we do these good works together. How many of us are tired and exhausted because we try to do our work alone? God never meant for us to go through life walking alone or working alone. Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. We all know this. We know it. We get more done as a team working together. At West Point Academy, Military Academy, they have a system that feeds 4,000 cadets in 15 minutes. They do this three times a day. They have a team where everybody has a role and they accomplish that role and they get it done. Friends, God intends for the very fabric of the church, the very DNA of the church, to serve one another and serve our community. Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good works to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. One of the assignments for the small groups is to find a service project that we will do together as a group, as a team. We're going to put this into practice. It may follow the campaign, but we are gathering different projects. So we walk life's journey together, we work life's tasks together, and thirdly, we watch out for each other in life's stress together. Philippians 2.4, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have you ever been in one of those neighborhoods, those communities where they have the neighborhood watch signs? It's a sign that people are looking out for each other. They're looking out for each other's safety. How many of us, when we go go away from home for an extended period of time, we ask a neighbor or someone else to keep an eye on your house? It's one thing to be watching out for your house, your material things, but who is watching out for your soul? Is there anyone in your life that's helping you stay on track and focused spiritually? Your soul is much more valuable than your house. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The reference to the day is the day of judgment. Friends, we are all engaged in a spiritual warfare. Our walk and work together is, is in, a, in a war. 
a spiritual war. And we have an enemy who is sophisticated, who is patient, who is disciplined, and who is lethal. And the enemy hates us. The enemy goes by the name of Satan, the evil one, the devil. Our culture kind of makes fun of this personality of evil. But friends, he wants to mess up our lives and he wants to mess up the church. And so we need to cover each other's back. We need sentries who are guarding. Again, from Ecclesiastes 4, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. That's describing a small group, a band of brothers, a band of sisters that keep each other accountable. Now, we don't like accountability. We don't like to be held accountable. We resist that. But it's a necessity. It's a necessity to attain spiritual victory and spiritual growth. We deal with the stress and the battle of life better together. We walk life together. We work life together. We watch out for each other together. And fourthly, we weep in life's sufferings together. The Bible is very clear and honest that we suffer in life. It's inevitable. No one escapes it. Be careful when you listen to these TV preachers who promise health and prosperity because suffering is part of living in a broken and cursed and sinful world. And that suffering becomes a test of our faith. But we're not meant to suffer alone. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. God does not want us to be sitting alone when a loved one is in a life and death surgery. No woman should have to wait alone for a lab report on a problem pregnancy. No one should have to stand on the edge of an open grave of a loved one by themselves. It is inevitable. Loved ones die, we go through tragedies, we get bad news. And the time to develop a network of support is before those things happen. God's safety net is a group of other believers. You, you don't need a hundred, five, six, seven, eight. God's safety net is a group of other believers. People you know and that know you, who are committed to support you. This is how we cope. This is how we persevere. It's interesting to me how the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 steps of recovery, each one of them begins with the word we. Step one, we admit our powerlessness over our addiction. Step two, we became to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us. They knew from the very beginning we don't overcome without each other. When Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, the petitions contain the plural, our Father, 
not my father, our father. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. We pray it together. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We don't have to fix other people's problems. We can't. And most people don't want us to. They want us to sympathize, to be supportive, to listen, to simply be present. We don't always want advice. We want someone to be there, to sit with you, to hold your hand, to cry with you. One of the places that I learned this was as a hospital chaplain. And I remember an early incident where I was called to pediatrics and a six-month-old had died. The grandparents were there and they had to wait for the parents. And the grandfather took the baby and wrapped the child in a blanket and snuggled it in his arms and sat in a rocking chair and just rocked with that baby. And there was nothing you could say. There was nothing you could say. We sat in silence and cried. Do you have people in your life that you can do that with, that can do that with you? Where there's a mutual investment of time and love that is your safety net. Don't wait for a crisis to try to develop your support. Then finally and briefly, briefly because I'm going to elaborate it, elaborate on it next time, is we witness better together. Do you know that each of us has an individual life message that God wants us to share with other people? That message is what God is doing in your life. But there's a great power in group witness. Again, God does not mean for us to do our mission alone. We witness to the love of God by loving each other. Did you know that? Jesus said that is the greatest witness to the world. John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is a witness to our community. What impresses people is when we love each other. Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. 40 days of community cam or campaign has the goal of deepening the community within the church and secondly, to reach out to the community around the church. And as I said before, and as Angie said, we are going to be doing that. We're going to, we have service projects that are going to be offered for the small groups. Now the message of the 40 days of community and the emphasis on community is a message that is necessary in our world today. Just think of how divided our country is, how divided communities are, families are. And I think that the greatest enemy to community life, whether it's in the church or elsewhere, is fear. Is fear. We're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid of people seeing the real me. They might not like me. 
They might reject me. We fear being criticized, being judged or condemned. To have meaningful relationships, there has to be trust. There has to be trust, but there also then has to be openness and honesty and vulnerability. When we're able to connect our true self with another person and persons, we are better equipped to walk, to work, to watch, to weep, and to witness in life's journey together. God wants this for the church. And He wants us to model to our world how to do life together. We cannot learn about community without being in community. Are you willing to take the risk and invest time to engage in relationships that will go deeper with each other? And to see at the same time how that will affect your relationship with God. God's church is about community. It's about fellowship. Because we fulfill our purpose better together. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is that the church will be the church. May this time, these next 40 days, be a time of a revolution of love and fellowship and community. And please begin it within our own hearts. Father, your word is clear that we fulfill your purposes when we're united together. Help us to move beyond superficiality. Help us to take risks, to be real and open with each other and to accept one another, to support one another, to build one another up without being judgmental, without being critical. Teach us, God, how to do this. And forgive us for the times when we have felt we don't need other people and for the times we hurt each other. Come into our lives, Lord Jesus, and help us to connect with one another for your glory Bless our small groups as we launch them. Help us overcome any logistical obstacles and to move forward. Thank you. Thank you that you love us and we love you. And continue to teach us how to love one another. In the name of Jesus, amen.